Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have an awesome episode lined up for you. Look, you you might have missed us last week. We are back to Sunday only during the off-season here. So this is our opportunity to dive in to those end-of-season roster moves. What do they mean for the team? What do they mean going forward, looking ahead at the rest of the season? Any head-scratchers in there or... Is there maybe something we can see through all of these moves that points to a new direction next year? And then, because it truly is the offseason, we are on to, in the 11 out of the 18, a a mainstay of the offseason last year. It is back once again. We couldn't get you out of here without one. You put that all together, and folks, that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I'm joined by the one and only Chief. Chief, it's been a while. We yes. we stopped doing Thursday episodes in the off season. I feel like we didn't explain that to people. So if yeah, we just wondering we, what happened. They might have thought that we were so shook by how the season <laughs> ended that it's like you know what the post the post cast is just disappearing. <laughs> I mean, if there was a time to just pack it all up, that, that would have been a decent jumping off point. <laughs> I do love the idea of a podcast, just Irish goodbye, where it's we're not going to have a farewell episode. Like, I remember when when Knifey Lion Radio stopped and Jonah posts that unbelievable intro talking about how oh. thankful he is for the fans and then talking about how much it meant to do something with his brother. And it's like I got a little choked up and that's all well and good. But yeah. I love the idea of running a podcast for. 100 200 300 episodes and just without explanation stopping and leaving it to the imagination of the listener as to why it is that they have abandoned this thing that they clearly spent way too much of their free time doing and building up yeah i i don't know it would be so funny too like especially if it was like I don't know, a nationally known podcast. People would be like, oh my gosh, did they die? Like what happened? But it's really funny if it's like this really intimate sports podcast world that we inhabit that like everybody knows who we are. He <laughs> like, sees us on game days. Be like, hey, what the hell happened? And he'd just be like, yeah, ah, I wasn't feeling it anymore. Yeah. Got bored. I had, I had some stuff going on. It, what is funny though about that is that if you go on to and you search for podcasts, on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. And it's like, oh, I'm into this topic. Yeah. You can find podcasts and they just never go away as long as people keep paying their hosting fees for whatever. And sometimes where there's just zombie podcasts out there where it's somebody, <laughs> they got into it, they did 10 episodes worth of content and then it just went away forever. And it's like, okay, I guess I can listen to what people thought about the uh, old lawyer drama the practice back when it was airing why not <laughs> <laughs> they're like weird little time capsules i yeah. um episode by episode recaps <laughs> for episode five through 15 of season seven of this tv show 
I love the idea of that. I did see uh, in the uh, in the Discord, and, and this is indeed a, a shameless plug for joining our Discord. Um, a couple of people have mentioned going back and listening to old episodes, and I uh, could not imagine doing that. I really, I no. really applaud somebody else doing that. And like one, I'd like to think we got better at this over time. So like the audio quality and everything is super embarrassing to me, but. Like, I don't know what was happening in April of last year. Like, no. what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> not, not the best thing in the world. I was just looking to see if it was still up there. I don't know how, who the hell is still hosting it. But my dad had a podcast for a number of years. And if you know me, you know who my father is. And I'm going back and looking. The last episode on the list was 2010. <laughs> and it's just, it's just lurking out there. So, like... If you are curious to listen to an episode where, uh, <laughs> yeah, what happens in this episode? Yeah, here? what happens? It's uh, joined by Michael Lombardi of the NFL Network and the National Football Post to discuss the Bengals' recent signing of Pac-Man Jones. What? <laughs> wow, that a true time capsule. That right? man is Mr. Cincinnati these days. <laughs> I might go back and listen to that. Shit. <laughs> uh, well, they had to be freaking out, right? I think he had something of a rap sheet. In Tennessee before coming here. So one of the rare Bengals free agency signings that absolutely was as advertised. <laughs> they nailed it. He was very good. Yeah, I love, I love Pac-Man. I can't I can't stay mad at Pac-Man. He's just sort of he's Pac-Man. I, yeah. you, getting mad at Pac-Man is really just I don't know what you were expecting going into this relationship. You got everything you were looking for and much, much more. And it came at a cost. And the cost was tremendously entertaining. Yes. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Pac-Man Jones, uh, yeah, he adopted Chris Henry's uh, kid or kids. Yeah. I don't know if there were multiple kids. Incredible move for yeah. the man after uh, after Chris Henry, uh, Henry suddenly died in a yeah. car accident. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, that's, that's pretty selfless. Like, that's, so, that's a big move for a guy. So Pac-Man, uh, like, without revealing too much about the man's personal life, Pac-Man lives still i think on a local golf course i'm not going to say which one you can pretty much you can figure it out i think if you're <laughs> any good at internetting but this uh golf club this country club they did an annual fourth of july fireworks show and so pac-man brought all his family up to watch the fireworks show and he was all excited about it and at the end of the show he stands up and goes wait is that effing it I also like the fact that in this moment, when speaking on behalf of Pac-Man, I chose to censor myself when I've been criticized routinely on this show for cursing too often. That's a fun hey. aside. But so anyway, the next year, Pac-Man lays like 30 or 40 large on this country club and it's like, I'm taking care of the fireworks show. We're going to have a real fireworks show this year. And that was the only thing he was concerned about was that the fireworks show not suck anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good neighbor right there. Yeah. All right? The, the one that wants you to be making more noise. You're not doing it right. Right. <laughs> if you can't oh, tell, man. dear listener, we are in full off season mode right now. This is it. There's not a whole lot to talk about. I'll tell you one thing. Not going to talk about results. Uh, that's for damn sure. Chief, I don't know if you uh, put this together. I did not until I was watching uh, this game while uh, doing the dishes. This weekend was a true Kevin Chief El Clasico weekend of UC Xavier, Chelsea Everton. Yes. And uh, we we went one for one. And we I'll be split. honest with you. 
I would have traded the results 10 times out of 10. I'll be honest with you. I would have absolutely guessed the other way on both of these. Um, uh, yeah, your boys went into Cintas and mysteriously forgot how to shoot three-pointers. I don't know what was up with that. Um, I, was, I was at the game. Electric atmosphere. Cintas uh, yeah. was bumping. Even the blue hairs down in the lower bowl were getting loud, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's always funny to me how, like, the at college basketball, it's this weird amalgam of you have the students going crazy close to the court, but then yes. every other seat is occupied by people that are, you, by definition, you have to be a high net worth individual and a longtime contributor <laughs> to the alumni yes. fund in order to get the good seats. And they're the people that are the least likely to jump up out of their chairs and start screaming at the, like the right point in the game. They're just just not in it. You know, I've got grandkids to think about. I'm not doing that. But even right. they were getting hyped during this game. Quincy Oliveri, Xavier legend, puts his mark on the Crosstown shootout. I kept waiting for UC to not shoot 8% from three. And they just sort of, um, they just sort of didn't. Yeah, they, uh, they damn near dropped uh, 100 on Georgia Tech. Uh, uh, earlier in the season, couple couple weeks ago, and in that one, they couldn't miss a three. Like yeah. it was, it was magical, and uh, they might have learned the wrong lessons there. Right, like, you can in fact not shoot three sometimes, gentlemen. So there's there's a couple observations I had about the Bearcats, and you can tell me as a Bearcats fan whether or not I'm off base on this. Okay, um, Jizzle James, unfortunately named. Hell of a basketball player, though. That guy's going to be really good once he figures out how to make a jump shot because he's already really good at getting to the bucket and getting getting his. Um, Jizzle James is incredible. He was a huge recruit landed by West Miller. West Miller has proven so far to be an incredible recruiter. I'm going to say Jerry's out on coach. I was about to say the same thing. West Miller <laughs> seems like a great recruiter. Yeah. Seems like he may only have a passing familiarity with the sport of basketball. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, number yeah. two observation about your beloved Bearcats. Uh, Victor Locken is a head mm -hmm. case and your team would be better off if you put him on a bus literally to anywhere else in the United <sighs> States. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing the regularity with which he gets mad about something that he screws up and then immediately commits a dumb foul right afterwards. Um, yeah. It, he this is the second straight shootout where every time Victor Locken touched the ball, I was confident a good thing was going to happen for Xavier. Either he was going <laughs> to jack up a stupid three or make yeah. a dumb pass or pout immediately afterward on the next possession and get absolutely annihilated on defense. So yeah. not a Victor yeah. Locken fan. Yeah, no, there's I mean, as much as it's a him problem, again, this goes back to coaching like a little bit figure this shit out like either with him or know when to pull him and sit him in stretches of games i don't know and uh my third observation about the bearcats uh the aziz kid that the transfer saga was all about mm -hmm. he's big <laughs> that's about all he's got going on though so this is i think the funny conundrum of and this applies to college football as well of the portal right everybody gets excited about the portal um you're gonna get a good guy out of the portal like at, someone at, else didn't want him <laughs> yeah and like he went to utah valley it's like i don't know like i want give me a recruit 
who's portaling out of North Carolina right. or Villanova <laughs> or something like that. Like, there was a reason he ended up here. He beat other people out to get a scholarship at Villanova. No, I agree with you. So I sat as a uh, as a Xavier season ticket holder and watched them get absolutely abused by a guy from Oakland and not the California Oakland, a different Oakland um, in the low block. And yeah. they had no answer for this guy. Every time he touched the ball down on the on the block, it was an automatic bucket. He would just bully ball his way closer to the hoop. He would turn around and drop it neatly in the bucket for two points and jog back down to play defense. I thought UC was going to do that all goddamn game against X. And Aziz just turned out to be big. Yeah, I'm. It made me. It makes me miss like Taco Fall from UCF. That oh was my a god! Dude. There, there was a clip of him that went super viral <laughs> earlier this week because he's oh, playing ball there? over. He's playing ball over in China, and <laughs> oh my god! Like he takes this guy and he steals his his lunch money, his soul, and it just it looked like a kid in a father son game. It was one of the most disturbing and despicable things I have ever seen in my life. And I looked at the caption and it said Taco Fall on it. And I was like, hell yeah. Hold on here. Um, I want to get your reaction in, in real time to this clip Please. because it is about the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because Taco Fall was just an absurd human being. I texted it to you. It's just an absurd okay, human being. And everything about him is just is just hilarious. Taco Fall, seven foot six, if people yeah. are not familiar with him, which is Almost too tall to be able to function. Um, right. All right, let's check out this clip here. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'd just be subbing out after that, man. Yeah. Like, there's no coming like, back. You're talking about got, posterized. That, man, that man's got a leg brace on. <laughs> like that, he's only got one good leg. He can't afford to lose the other one. Oh, my God. Devastating. Um, two fun facts about the people we were talking about. Taco Fall, I think... A relative of GB Fall, and I'm not just saying that because they both have the last name Fall from the same uh, country, which is escaping me at the Senegal. moment. Um, Senegal. The uh, I'm fairly certain it was mentioned somewhere in an interview that he uh, is like his uncle or something like that. Like they're related. Uh, the other one, Jizzle James, his father. Edgerin James. Edgerin James, NFL running back. Colts yeah. legend. Pretty good stint with the Cardinals as well. Um, yeah, there you go. So that's, the, James. that's the Crosstown shootout. <laughs> I um, I love the shootout. I, yes. Unlike other Xavier fans, I don't want this series to become more competitive. I'm enjoying it exactly the way it is right now. Um, <laughs> the one thing I hate, and I will particularly hate UC fans that do this because They've been the ones with the opportunity to do this, but Xavier fans have done this in the past. Where when you lose it, you go, "Wow, well, this is their Super Bowl. It doesn't matter to us though, because we've got you know bigger eyes on the prize or whatever eyes on the bigger prize." Nah, man, I want to win this game. This game means a lot. It's like the only was, early season game that matters. It was also objective, objectively untrue when Xavier yes. was in the Big East and UC was in the Afterthought Athletic Conference, like. Now they're on par again in terms of conferences. Mm -hmm. You can't say that. That's just, that's nothing. Although I, I will say it would be hypocritical of me, and I'm, I respect this take, 
people that say it's no longer a rivalry because it's one sided. <laughs> Unfortunately, I put myself in a position where I have to agree with that. So, <laughs> here we find ourselves. Uh, you you did ask, you know, when when does it become a rivalry or when does it not become a rivalry? And I think I answered um with with the Columbus question, when the cities move further apart, like unfortunately, I personally just know too many crew fans for that to not always be a thing. So yeah. and doubly so with Xavier. So yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, there we go. And then Everton somehow won uh, this weekend with uh, Jordi Petrovic making yeah. his debut. There's an MLS tie-in for you. There you go. That's all I got. Chelsea, Chelsea is just a bag of sadness on fire right now. Is what the problem is. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's. We spend a lot of money to be very bad, and <sighs> I, I blame uh, Vladimir Putin because everything was going <laughs> swimmingly till that dumb motherfucker decided I want more <laughs> land, and then started a domino effect that caused Roman to sell, and everything was fine, and now it's not <laughs> fine. So. You know, pass the story the, pass the aid to Ukraine package. <laughs> Punish this man. Yeah, let's get this over yeah, with. Yeah, JD, come on. Pass it. <laughs> the uh the story is actually identical with Everton. So the problem there is uh there was not a period of time where Everton spent a lot of money and then was successful. That's that's the like the missing piece there. Uh they spent so much money that they did not have before their uh, largest backer got um his yacht <laughs> impounded. Yeah. Um that they uh, they got they got dinged with that financial fair play, which is just killing this team right now. Because I think Everton would be like ninth or tenth in the league right now, if not for the points deduction that has them in a relegation scrap. So yeah. cool, neat, <laughs> two nil, unbelievable. Uh, well, Maybe someday Chelsea will so- sign a man that can score goals. Maybe, but that day is not today. <laughs> no, no, it is not. No, it is not. Uh, Chief, you know what today is though. Sunday. It is Sunday. It's also talk about end of season roster moves day. Woo-hoo! You know, it's funny. <laughs> this when the roster news dropped, I don't know if you feel the same way, mm-hmm. but I was having a little bit of a tough time getting over uh, how yeah. the season ended. Yeah. It was not in a good place. I think that was reflected <laughs> on the uh, the content we produced immediately in the <laughs> aftermath where somebody uh, described it as. I think the chief is was on the verge of tears that entire episode. <laughs> no, I'd done my crying before we taped. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, Come on now, we're professionals. Right. Yeah, we're broadcasters here. We, you know, it, when the headset goes on and the mics go hot, we understand what we need to do. Oh. But getting the roster news was kind of like that was like the eulogy at the funeral, where. Yeah. Okay, they're not really coming. Grandma's not coming back. Okay, it's just <laughs> there's we gotta there's move no on. Way, yeah, there's no way they're they're gonna find some great right. flaw in the officiating, and we need right. to no, go it's, back. It's it's not. We're no longer in a situation where FC Cincinnati can still win if Mike Dewine has the courage. We're not. It's not happening. So, oh uh, yeah, I uh, on a similar note, I did make the. Uh, the tough decision, the brave decision, dare I say, to watch MLS Cup final. And um, look, nobody wants to hear this, but for my sake, I need to say it out loud. Folks, we would have won. Yeah. 
LAFC was fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I, made a, I made a specific point of going to uh, my neighborhood watering hole, R.P. McMurphy's, before the shootout, specifically because I knew that that game wouldn't be on there. Smart. They had a TV on live horse racing from some place where it was warm. <laughs> you know what? That was better than, than having to sit through and see those dweebs celebrate. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, yeah. the, the worst, didn't watch a minute. The worst happened to us and, uh, we are here and the, uh, we're on to 2024 forward, be a goldfish, choose your favorite cliche here. Um, and, uh, we're, we're off to the races. Um, I can just run down here the moves and then we can sort of discuss the individual moves or if something jumps out to you as I'm discussing, feel free to jump in however you feel like it here. Um, and then we can kind of talk like bigger picture, uh, with this, but the club, uh, came out and said this one, they've exercised the options on two players and our starting roster going into 2024 is, but 23 players. Uh, so the players that they did pick up Ian Murphy, Archimedes Ordonez, SCC declined the options on Santiago Arias, Dominic Baji, Ray Gaddis, Yu Yakubo, which again confirmed he did in fact have another option, which and Harrison, yes, and Harrison Robledo. Uh, Junior Moreno is completely out of contract, no options. He becomes a, uh, I'd say unrestricted free agent, but it is MLS, so I do think there are some restrictions that apply to his free agency. Uh, the club remains in discussions, though. With Arias, Baji, Gaddis, Gaddis, uh, Gaddis, Kubo, and Moreno, Yerson Mosquera's loan from Wolverhampton Wanderers has ended, but the club is still in conversations about a potential return. And then about a day later, we found out that those conversations have ended with no fruit. So we'll yes. just say that one there. Um, and then the club has declined to, I guess, engage in conversations with Harrison Robleto. Uh, so. That does mean uh, there was one name in particular that I thought it was interesting that was coming back. Alec Can. It does appear that he, in some way, shape, or form, probably had an option automatically trigger, maybe by winning the Supporter Shield, making the playoffs, or cup appearances of some number. Uh, but other than that, those are the moves. Um, so I ask you, Chief, first impression. First impression was laughter that you Yukubo still had an option <laughs> i i if someone wants to leak us that contract <laughs> i just want to know what it looks like i want to right. know how the options were triggered how many there are how many more they had that were team options did we have team options for another three or four years and like we could have <laughs> ejected at any point um yeah were there was there something you you could have done to make the option vest this year and turn it into another automatic option. I just, I want to see the contract. Somebody please leak me Yuya Kubo's contract. I am desperate. Um, please. That was number one. <laughs> yes. Number two was an overwhelming sense reading this, that a reminder of how much work Chris Albright has to do yeah. before we go into 2024. Yeah. And I read Pat Noonan's piece, or uh, Pat Brennan's piece on where you know the season recap is and he describes 
this team as, you know, well positioned for success in 2024. And I read that and you, yeah, but the interesting mm-hmm. decline here for me was Santi Arias. And yes. um, I think that shocked all of us, uh, you, me, and Grayson on our, uh, our text thread as we were going through this. And where this leaves FC Cincinnati now, uh, without him on the roster, is now they're potentially looking at going into 2024 with, with no wingbacks signed in a formation that makes heavy use of the wingback position. So the Arias decline was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I don't think there was a lot of shock in terms of who they're bringing back. We kicked around the idea of did Archimedes or Donez do anything that would justify picking his contract up, but he's at the very back end of the roster in terms of salary, and he's a homegrown. So I guess you probably give him a little more leash than you would someone that was on a higher wage bill than him. But the Arius one was the one that really, really jumped out at me. And I just, I guess we'll talk about it, but I, I was floored based on what I thought his performance level was this year relative to what I think his contract is. My understanding is he is a, he is a below the Tam threshold player. I think he's a max Tam player, but he's not a, or max, sorry, a max budget charge player, yeah, but not a max Tam player that he is. He is just sitting at that like five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar range where I think he provides that value in spades, even factoring in that he had a, I don't know, questionable injury history coming into the season and wasn't always match fit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think Arius is a good one to to start with there because, yeah. So uh, to try to help clean up some of that confusion uh, there because it is stupidly confusing uh the max budget charge is yeah six hundred thousand and change you can then pay a player tam on top of that which makes a quote-unquote max tam player one million six hundred thousand and change um so yeah arius is right at that six hundred thousand number so if he goes over that you're gonna have to start paying him with his his salary has to come out of the uh the fun bucks uh fund um which is to say good value for a guy of yes. his caliber and when healthy and available is immediately one of the best right backs in the league like he's very very good at what he does especially in that stretch leading up to league's cup where he was particularly i'll say healthy and available he was very very good and this team looked unbelievably deadly on both sides of the field um now they are engaged in conversations with him so hopefully those are fruitful i like i guess there's a scenario where they could have picked the option up and that would have gotten them one year and then they try to negotiate a deal whereas they may be trying to angle for like a longer term deal now but i still like no version of the negotiating that I can think of would have you not pick up the option right, and then that's, renegotiate. That's, that's <laughs> leverage right there. Right, right. Um, so, I, I, yeah, and even if he was, like, not happy with the team, you would still pick up the option so that you could get some meager transfer fee from him going back to, you know, wherever he, he wants to, if he goes to Colombia or Spain or something like that. Um, 
so yeah, that was that was a weird one. And now we are all sort of banking on the fact that Bariel is leaving, uh, th- likely this winter. Um, it would be kind of surprising if he wasn't. Those are your two best wingback options. Uh, as I'm looking at the depth chart right now, I think our wingbacks would be on the left, Brett Halsey, and on the right, Alvis Powell. Which is not good enough. Like no, I know that I know that no. there is a. I remember you wrote his name in ink at one point, and I think you'd like to have that one back. Maybe not. I don't know how much you want to stand hey. by your take. <laughs> Brett, Hall- <laughs> Brett Halsey is unproven. Yeah. He's young. There's a reason that he was available for nothing when FC Cincinnati picked him up. I think he acquitted himself well in limited minutes, mm-hmm. but I think that you are, he is not the kind of player, he's the kind of player that you you need to force to take a spot from someone, not someone that you hand a spot to in the offseason, is my yeah. read on the situation. And Alvis Powell is a fine bench piece. I would I would not be comfortable with that pairing starting as the wingbacks on this team. Um, I would not be comfortable with either one of them as a starting wingback on this team, which if they're going to stick with that formation now means that Albright's shopping list now includes two wingbacks, which is that's a tall order because sort of underpinning this entire conversation, I think that we, you have to talk about is that, this team, the way it's constituted right now, is out of splash signing spots. Yeah. Um, there is basically no room now for them to pay any kind of transfer fee to bring a player in. Because the minute you pay a transfer fee, once a transfer fee goes in excess of $2 million, $2.5 million, um, that's going to push a player right up into the DP threshold because you have to amortize the transfer fee over the first three years of the deal, I think at minimum um, or at maximum. And then you add their salary charge on top of that. You get to that $1.6 million number real quick doing that unless Mm -hmm. the salary is next to nothing. And they've got three DPs in the roster. And since they didn't bring in a, a young DP to replace Brenner, they only have one U22 spot, which is another spot where you can use a bigger transfer fee that doesn't get counted against the cap. Yep. And they've already got that with Marco Angulo. So yep. everyone that Albright brings in to replace um, anyone that we're talking about is probably going to have to either come on a free transfer, which is a lot more difficult to do in the winter window when so many of the leagues, the other leagues around the world are in the middle of their season. You find yeah. a lot more people on free transfers in May, June, July than you do midway through. Or it's going to have to be someone, so it's, you're limited pretty much to people that are coming from leagues that are just on a similar schedule to MLS, which is the non-Euro calendar, which there's a lot of leagues that are on that calendar. So there's, there's shopping you can do there. But if it's not going to be that, you're talking about in-league acquisitions through MLS, mm-hmm. which is going to require the use of GAM in order to complete those transactions. Now, if they sell Barry Allen Vasquez uh, like we think they're going to this winter, they I think we and we talked about this last episode, they can get about a million dollars, a little over a million dollars of GAM from each one of those signings. Yep. And that GAM is basically only useful 
for league trades because if you buy a player who's a requires you to buy the contract down, you'll have the money to do it this year, but that money isn't rollover money to the next year. You'll be out of money to buy that player down the next year and you'll put yourself into the salary hell. So yep. you yep. get punished horrendously in this league for selling <laughs> non-designated players. Like the money that you get, the the tricky uh, Don fun bucks that you get back for selling these players in no way the way the league is now, it might've made sense 20, like 15 years ago, but now there's no way you're buying commensurate value for an Alvaro Barrial with 1 million in GAM. It's just not possible. Um, right, right. So, so yeah, so that, that's kind of like where it's, it's hard when you're looking at this, like, okay, shopping for one wing back, that's tough. You're going to have to find someone who meets that criteria. Either someone that's already in the league we would have thought maybe Kai Wagner until he uh, <laughs> he had his little uh, oopsie daisy. Yeah. Um, but now, like that, that would be hard. Yeah. Finding yeah. two though that are fit that criteria of either in the league or coming on a free or you know no transfer fee required. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be work for Albright's because wing backs are the the kind of wingbacks that we rely on if we stick with this formation you you can't get by with that i don't think no no you can't and like to put it into perspective like for the sale of both uh or for each of vasquez and bariel let's assume that happens this winter and let's assume we get more than i think it's two two and a half million dollars uh for each of them um that would bring us in a total value of two million gam that is how much was it uh Dallas traded to acquire one Paul Ariola. Uh I think one and a half million uh sent um Jordi Mihailovic from Chicago to Montreal. Like one to two million in GAM gets you one, let's say, MLS all-star ish caliber player. That's that's a lot to lose for just yeah. Vasquez and Barrial, right? Like, right. that's a two for one trade, really, from from that, and and quite a step down with Barrial. Um, so I think the one area where this could potentially all sort of make sense is if they do move away from attacking wingbacks and we go to something of and i know this was the uh the white whale for so long that we were all all expecting and everybody built the roster in their minds around this a 442 diamond baby bring it back this Bang. is which the is so funny cutter. it's so funny that it's like oh this is the philly system this is what philly runs this is what philly runs and then every time we played philly they ran a uh five three two and just mirrored us completely so right. it seems uh curtain and noonan both sort of evolved the same way on this but you could see a future without attacking wingbacks where maybe halsey and pound out again not you know, supportive shield winning team starters, but you you could see a path forward if they were having to log meaningful minutes, if they weren't being relied on to be the offensive output for their team. Yeah. I just don't think, I don't see it with Halsey. I just don't. I know that that- How dare you. I know how dare boy. <laughs> um, I guess it's also like, we keep saying selling Vasquez and selling Barrial is a given. Right. I, I mean, it might not be. I mean, it mm -hmm. might very well be, there's an option where you sell Barriel and he's loaned back to you until the start of next year and the August 
window for whatever team he's being sold to. I don't know. Right. Um, I don't know what the status of those negotiations are. Uh, so the wingback thing was the first thing that jumped out to me. The other one that jumped out to me, and I don't know if this was caught your eye as well, is declining the option on Dom Baji, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me because I, I think that part of, we talked a little bit about this, but that part of, if you can identify a flaw, a flaw, a flaw or a fault in FC Cincinnati's roster build this past year, it's that they had between Dom Baji, Sergio Santos, and Yuya Kubo, they had basically 2.75, near, damn near $3 million mm-hmm. in salary tied up in three players that were all bench players that of the three, only Yuya Kubo provided value, but even the value he provided was nowhere near commensurate with his budget charge. Um, Santos was on close to, I think, $820,000. And then uh, Baji was on close to $600,000, if I remember correctly. Um, And so looking at the way the roster shook out, I thought there's absolutely no way you can keep both Santos and Baji next year. And Santos is already on a guaranteed deal for next year. Um, That was a, and I think he has an option after that. But to me, and I don't know what your take on this is. If I had to pick between the two of them, I'd I'd eat Santos's contract on the one-time buyout and keep Baji at five hundred thousand. I think he's yeah. a better player at less or six hundred thousand. I think he's a better player at less money. Yeah. No, I I had the same thought that like of all the guys, Baji was the one that like there were multiple times where Baji would sub in for Bupenza. And even previously, Baji would sub in for Brenner. And I kept being like, that sub out Vasquez. <laughs> like, Baji yeah. provided so much more that, like, I wanted to see more with Baji starting instead of Vasquez and things like that. So it's like, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that, like, yeah, he didn't, like, smash home 20 goals or whatever this season. But he, he was definitely the more dynamic player uh, at times. And as you said, of, of the three, uh, was definitely one that I felt like was was doing a decent job. And it's also, funny enough, of the three, on the lowest salary, right? right. So, like, why, why, why do this? Now, I understand they're doing a renegotiation. Um, and to be clear, in order to get rid of Sergio yeah. Santos, you would have to ask ownership to eat yeah. $800,000 and, and spend to get his contract off the books because – he was on a two-year deal with a third-year option. This will be the second next year. Will be the second year of his deal. He has just been bad yeah. and not healthy while he's been here. So I understand that that would be Albright asking ownership to to void and pay out a contract that he negotiated, which is your mileage may vary as to how tough of a look that is. But mm-hmm. I'd rather have Baji than Santos. I know it's not my money. I know I'm not the one that has to go to my boss and ask for the contract <laughs> to go away, but. Hey Santos guys. was not good. <laughs> so I messed up. Right. Uh, <laughs> like the thing was, is that like it, we talked about, it, like Santos never looked, thre- never looks threatening. He looks yeah. fast, but you never get the sense that, oh my God, Sergio Santos is going to come into this game and score a goal. Like nobody thinks that. 
Yeah. It, what kills it, though, is like, it's not that Santos was a player that they scouted from another league and they thought like, oh, he should do well here. And then just like, ah, the skills didn't translate or or he, he picked up an injury bug that like you couldn't predict or whatever. But the problem is, is that like he was on film. They, they knew what he was. <laughs> he is exactly what we thought he'd be, which is a glass cannon that can't score. But he does appear to be like an ultimate culture guy. I remember the entire Philadelphia Union on uh, Instagram, which seems to be something that they do regularly, um, complained about what their front office was doing. And uh, when when Santos was sold, they were all upset. And he's like clearly like everybody's favorite teammate as far as i can tell but i don't know i'm i'm done listening yeah. to players about like <laughs> like the players always love the coach when he gets fired that's true yeah <laughs> like, like they're always lobbying for the guy that's already on the team to get elevated to the job and it's like maybe that's not let's slow down and let's let's do a search here okay man that is so true there isn't a team that's like get the intern coach the hell out of here they all love the intern coach yeah. no they're all fired up no matter what sport it is like oh yeah like you know the assistant coach he grinds all the time we're all in favor of him and that bum comes up and he can't coach he's got coordinator face talking about xavier and uc that was travis Steele. like trayvon yeah. blewett jp mccure they were all like hell yeah let's get travis Steele this job that's the right man for the job that dude couldn't coach <laughs> oh god so yeah i don't know i will we'll see what happens from here i do think it was interesting um and i mentioned it uh before uh alec can uh makes the uh the roster i apologize if i said con before alec can I'm always gonna call uh, him con it's okay. It's it's. I try my best here. I'm not good with the goalkeepers' names, uh, but that does mean our goalkeeping room is Celentano, Can, uh, Lauro, and Walters. So, do you think little, there's a chance that do, do you think there's a chance that Can gets sold or traded between now and the start of the year? Because it seems like <laughs> he's. I think he said he wants more playing time. Yeah, and. and They've That's got, why he came here, yeah. right? It was for more playing time, and that didn't work out great. And it feels like there would be some team in MLS that would give us, you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in GAM for a guy that can start and played yeah. well in league competitions. As long as you don't watch what the penalty cup competitions, as long as you don't watch what the penalty shootouts look like, right? Uh, I will say, in general, though, so like as I see it. Can Lauro and Celentano are all capable starters in this league. Like, obviously, Celentano. He just started a Supporter Shield winning uh, campaign. That's pretty damn good for a goalkeeper. Uh, Evan, as we know, uh, is one of the best goalkeepers in USL. And for what little we've seen of him is perfectly fine. We've definitely seen worse goalkeeping on FC Cincinnati before. Much, much worse uh, goalkeeping. <laughs> And Ken is a guy that, again, like all of the advanced metrics say is incredible. He's had a very long career where everywhere he goes, everybody says he's the guy. It's just before this stop, he was behind Brad Guzan. And in this one with FCC, he was supposed to have the starting job, got injured and got Wally pipped by Roman Salentano. So like, so be it. But this guy hasn't lost his job because he's bad he's had incredible talents that'd be starting on any team in this league ahead of him uh but for all of that i say all of that to say this um 
And I understand Celentano and uh, Loro are probably in line for raises, but as it stands, Can makes two hundred thousand. Uh, was that uh, Loro is making ninety thousand, and Celentano is on a hundred and fifty thousand. You combine all of that, and you're still less than a lot of teams' starting goalkeeper salary. So pretty solid from that perspective. No, they're um, killing so, it. Just wondering yeah. if it's an underutilized resource. Is all I wonder. Right. That's the thing. Could you not get a decent return on can on the open market? I think you could. And I don't know. it feels likely. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it feels likely given the move they made for Evan, which we love the guy. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But if Vibes you needed immaculate. a third goalkeeper, I feel like you could find one. So right. the fact that they re-signed him tells me something. All right. So question to you then about these roster moves right here in terms mm-hmm. of the club remains in discussions with Arias, Baji, Gattis, and Kubo and Moreno about their futures with FC Cincinnati. Of those one, two, three, four, five names, mm-hmm. do you expect any of them to be back with FC Cincinnati in some capacity? And if so, which ones? Ooh, I like the open-endedness of this because it, it gives me some some wiggle room here. I say Gaddis comes back, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing more coaching uh, ah. in the near future. He is working on getting his coaching licenses, especially if, say, one or two high-profile members of the coaching staff leave. He'd make a pretty smooth transition there. I know he was brought in to be a culture guy. Uh, when he retired, he was getting his coaching license, but I also think he was like pursuing being a minister or something. So like, I feel like he's that got tracks. the leadership quality in him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've we've seen that. Um, but the one I think is the most likely to come back is Yuya Kubo. I think Kubo's tape is so weird at this point. I don't know what the market looks like for Yu Yakubo. I don't know where he would want to go play. And I feel like only FC Cincinnati would appreciate the, I don't know, I dare I say the husk of the player that we've turned Yu Yakubo <laughs> into. So <laughs> We've broken this man. I yeah. mean, maybe that's, maybe that's why his option got picked up last year. It's like, yeah, we fucked your career up. At least we can do is throw another million at you and hope for the best. Which, again, if people don't understand, when he played in Switzerland, he was teammates with Joseph Martinez, and he was by far the better striker. Just, like, wrap your mind around that for a moment. Yeah. He had a, an illustrious career, I'll say a solid career, in Belgium and the Netherlands as a winger striker and had seven caps for the Japanese national team at winger slash striker. Like, this man was on a certain career trajectory, was Trying to be a designated player for FC Cincinnati, hell yeah. Attacking talent. By by Ron Jans. By Ron Jans. And then along comes a little man by the name of Yapstam. And Yapstam converted him into a, let's say, slightly below average defensive midfielder for some goddamn reason. No, you know what the the goddamn reason was? (laughs) It was because Frankie Amaya forced his way out of the club and he was the defensive mid. So it all goes back to Frankie. Fuck you, Frankie. Fuck, Frankie broke you, Kubo. Yes. Kubo was converted to a midfielder, and it's gotten so bad that, uh, I, I say it's gotten so bad. I just feel like Kubo's never been given a decent shot at being a striker or a winger ever again. And so I, I don't know, maybe he'd I, be good at it. Am I crazy? Yuya Kubo, wing back? 
so last season <laughs> against Orlando, Dom Baji played wing back and did it well. He was a solid wing back. They have experience turning a winger into a wing back in one Alvaro Barrial. Mm. I I would not put anything past them. There's a now this would be funny. Uh this <laughs> there's a non-zero percent chance that our starting wingbacks in our first CCC match is Kai Wagner and Yuya Kubo. <laughs> oh, the chaos energy is off the charts on that one. As long as the two of them don't talk. All right. I to just, one another. To one another. Like yeah, don't <laughs> they're on opposite sides of the field. Yeah, yeah we'll keep them keep apart. Kai yeah, away. Yeah, 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 you know, you two <laughs> you two shouldn't talk in any language that the both of you understand. Does um, Kubo speak German? As long as he doesn't speak German I mean, he played in the Netherlands and Belgium long enough. He had right. to have picked up something. <laughs> maybe a maybe a great grandfather or something. Right. <laughs> um so it's interesting. I guess the question for you, Yakubo, really is, I don't know, it, it's weird. There's this idea that I have about how players find their way to MLS. Mm -hmm. It does feel like when players come to MLS from abroad, there are two types of players. There are players that they come to MLS and their goal is to put down roots in the United States of America. Yeah. And there are other players where I'm coming to MLS for the payday. And then I'm moving back wherever as soon as, you know, the next paycheck comes with an opportunity. I don't know. Like, yeah. to me, he's been here since, what, 2020? Yep. He survived the pandemic here. He's got his family here. He's got his kids here. They're going to school here. I don't know. It's a different life when you're a pro athlete than it is, you know, when we were growing up, I'm sure. Right, but right. At a certain point, you know, if... I don't know how much FC Cincinnati would have to offer him for him to be like, you know what? I've got a house. I've, I've got people. I don't yeah. want to pick back up and go over to Belgium or back to Japan or whatever. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like once you're, I feel like Cincinnati is the kind of city you get stuck in. That, <laughs> yes. you, you've got <laughs> dreams of being somewhere else. And we all find, because you, you get here and you're like, is this city great? No. But is the city lowercase g great? And the yeah. answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And it would be one thing, too, if you were if this was 2021 and the situation is happening. Mm -hmm. But like he lived through the hard times already. He saw yeah. the shit part like this is the these are the good old days. This is the fun part. Like you can't leave when the fun part starts. Right. Yeah. Like in a lot of ways, he's the one. It's like him and Hagland. To a very lesser extent, I'll say Alvis Powell, um, have like got to see the depths of where this team is and now get to enjoy the fruits of it. And yeah, like I would, I, I mean, again, it's not my career. And if you're turning down, you know, a million dollar a year salary to just like see what happens in Cincinnati, you're probably a moron. But right. like, but I don't know. Are, but you're our kind of moron. And that, <laughs> right. makes, that, that means something to me. Come on, so now, man. <laughs> so now, my only counterpoint to this, though, is that I think it would be hilarious if he left because mm. he's been here since 2020, right? Yeah. He's been here for three years and I don't know a goddamn thing about him. Like he is <laughs> right, like right, right. Grayson put this in my head last go around. And I've been obsessed with this idea of I can't tell you the first thing about Yuya Kubo. I don't know 
Like, I don't know what his wife's name is. I don't know who his kids are. I don't know where he lives. I don't know what he likes to do. I don't know what his favorite movie is. I don't know who his boyhood hero was in terms of like players. I don't know like where his favorite restaurant is. I, all these like happy horse shit things that you find out about pro athletes when they do these behind the scenes things or yeah. these cutesy videos that they do as produced content. I don't know a thing about Yuyakubo <laughs> and it would be incredible to have this player that was here for three years. He plays and then he disappears as quickly as po- as quickly as he arrived. This is like yeah. this is the GB story. Yes, it is. GB shows up on a flight from Kazakhstan, puts five goals in or four goals in against St. Louis, yep. bites a dude's face off, leads us through <laughs> the best open cup run in this club's history, gets us on the map with MLS, and he's gone like a flash in the night immediately afterwards never to be heard from again until he pulls the sword this year. And again, I didn't know a thing about GB. Family, friends, <laughs> life, anything. It's just, it is a, these mysterious figures of of sports. I, I, I worry that if we re-sign Yuya, there will be some push to learn more about him. And I don't know that I want to meet my hero, you know? <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. It, it is such a better story if we know nothing about him. And like, yeah, let's say he comes back later and he's wearing a cowboy hat. And you're like, oh, what's up with that? It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Yuya Kubo loves cowboys. He's right. always loved Westerns. We're like, where the hell is this? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he comes back in a cowboy hat and like a, t- a Metallica t-shirt and he speaks perfect English. And it's like, who the what? He's a metalhead, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh my god! What's the most uh, absurd, what's the most absurd fact you think you would find you could find out about Yuyakubo? Like, this what, is what, why we don't get access. That's no, you're a good right. Question. I want to know what his favorite local Cincinnati restaurant is. I'm so curious what that is because that that would be like insight into a man's soul. Right? Because it'd be something like it could be something terrible. And you'd be like, damn, he likes Izzy's or something. Right. Like <laughs> now I know too much about Yu Kubo. <laughs> right. That would be. <laughs> it's like, he, he's got like this horrid addiction to Grippo's barbecue chips. <laughs> like, like that's, but he's like, he moves back to Japan to play in the J League, but he still requests like boxes of Grippo's to be sent yeah. back because he can't live without them any longer. The party box with the big trash bag oh, of yeah. chips in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's like, like, there's, there's truckloads of them being sent over to Japan. <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, if the price is right, I, I would absolutely love to see Yu Kubo come back. If nothing else, like you need a utility player that can, in fact, back up eight of the positions on the field. Right. Like right. that is such a useful thing. Hey, you probably don't want to be paying that guy one point two million dollars or whatever you is making. But um yeah, it, on the, the dot, 1.2. There's also something to this idea that like having some some continuity and some club DNA. Like mm-hmm. the problem with this league is that the it, the roster turnover is such that every two or three years it's a completely different cast of characters that you're playing for. And there's there's something to be said for having guys on a team that are six, seven, eight year guys where the fans know this player. They can yeah. There's someone that they can root for, buy a jersey with the name on the back of it. And it's just they're I don't know. I th- I understand the 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 economics of it in terms of salary cap, but it would be nice if this league found a way to 
should this league be so punitive with its salary cap that you're chasing guys like Yakubo away over like a hundred thousand dollars? Like that just seems stupid to me. Yeah, there there does need to be some degree of like leeway for re-signing guys. Like we we talked about it over and over again with Barrial. Like if we could offer him a DP contract to re-sign him, would we do it? I think the league should be saying yes, because I also think Barrial is close to getting a, an Argentinian national team call up. And I think that's good for MLS, but he's at the point of his career that if he wants to make more money, he functionally has to leave MLS. Like he can't really do that here, uh, which is unfortunate that MLS has tied itself in into this position here. Um, I also think yet yeah, some degree of not counting transfer fees or giving teams the option to only count a transfer fee for one season or right. letting teams use the buyout option on a transfer fee might be like a clever way to Ooh. try to get around some of this. Like um, just to just to free do, that up. If you could do that, uh, you could make Waboto just a regular ass player if you could buy out his transfer fee. Right. Like something along those lines would be super, super useful. Um, now, I will say there has been lots of Can speculation. Can you buy a player out and resign him back? Especially like, you could, but. Mm. Want me to stop you from buying out Woboto and then immediately re-signing Woboto to a $200,000 raise that still makes him, he gets way more money. But like his transfer fees off the book. I love this idea. The only thing I think could cause us some problems is the uh, the stupid thing that happened with Adi, which is they may go through waivers in some way, shape, or form. Oh, the reentry it's, draft, right? It's isn't... not clear when a player does go through this or not go through this because Adi did, but then Giovanni Dos Santos did not, and there's been some other things with Miami that has bought out guys that didn't go through waivers like how joseph martinez ended up on their roster but i don't know we didn't get a crack at him or something um dumb stuff uh but no there's speculation and then we we got some words from the commissioner uh sort of on this topic um lots of rumors about a fourth dp spot this winter Uh, apparently according to the commissioner no discussion on this however now reporting is trending in the direction of every team gets three u22 young money spots regardless of dp status so if that does happen it would give us the opportunity to get in two more marco angulo type signings the problem with that is under 22 is so young that it's a real crapshoot as to whether or not you get solid talent so like yeah bariel came in under i think that rule or close to it which was awesome But then you get a ton of guys. You can look around the league. Ton Isaac, of guys. Wasn't Isaac Atanga a U22? Yeah, yeah that, that's another one. That's a good one. I couldn't think yeah. of a good one for us. Isaac Atanga is the other version. Great kid. Nice kid. Uh, Bad at four, soccer. $4 million. They're not getting back. <laughs> directly down the can. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that helps somewhere. Maybe that's your Yersa Mosquera replacement spot. But Yeah, they were. Yeah. there was a lot of people that were dead certain that fourth DP was coming. Um, yeah. I think you grossly overestimate just how underestimate how cheap some of these MLS owners are. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is I said this online. I don't know what your take is on this. That MLS doesn't need a fourth DP. It just needs roster spots four through eleven to just be better paid and give you more options to replace players and buy better players in those spots. So you had a fourth DP. Is the quality of the product going up? Sure. 
but it isn't going to change the fact that you still got a guy making league minimum somewhere touching the football and Mm -hmm. try to give more options, give more options for teams to go and buy players that, you know, not asking for $10 million transfer fees, but you know, a couple million bucks. Yeah. We need to give more options to give those guys back into the league. Yeah. If you want to find immediate parity with Mexico and your biggest leagues in the world, you need to be able to pay essentially your entire starting 11 and five substitutes. So here you're starting 16 as I'll look at it. Um, Dare I say the entire 18, but I won't go that far. Not yet, uh, but, not in segment one. But you need to be able to pay all of those guys a million bucks a year. Once yeah. you can do that, now you're starting to put together some really competitive rosters. Sure, you can throw some DPs on top of that. I would be willing to sacrifice a DP spot in order to get that much roster spend up and down the roster. I also think you probably need to expand your international roster spots by one or two per team at a minimum uh just to just to to free up the competition for that yes lots of teams are doing their stuff with their uh their academy kids and there's probably a better way to incentivize that but yeah like you said you just need more better roster spend the what what you really need is you okay drop the dp spots to two those are just there's no rules on those up the the maximum salary for everybody else to what is currently the max TAM, like 1.6 million. Yeah. And then make your TAM and GAM just the money that you have to pay transfers for those players yes. that aren't DPs. So if you get like 6 million, 7 million in GAM, and you want to buy two players for $3.5 million each, you can do that and pay some transfer fees on some guys to get other guys into the club that aren't you know on a free or aren't like intra-league or in within mls yeah transfers as well yeah um, just it just needs to because it's a big picture this a little bit if you look at the way the roster is for fc cincinnati and sort of tie it to where we're at right now if you take as a given that this team is likely to sell and uh sell barry allen vasquez in this winter window you are looking at needing to buy and this is, again, assuming a formation change doesn't happen. So right. just assuming that we are going to try and run into 2024 with the same formation and play style that we had in 2023, here's what Albright's shopping list is for 2024. He needs a pair of wingbacks. That's two players. He needs a starting caliber center back. That's three players. He needs a midfielder to replace Junior Moreno a sort of box-to-box midfielder, which I think Moreno would would be. That's mm-hmm. four players. And you need a striker up top to pair with Bupenza. <laughs> That's five players. That's Jeez. five players that you need to acquire. And I would argue, and I think Grayson would argue if he was here as well, you really have a sixth player you need to, to recruit as well, and that's a, another center back. Because if you're playing with yes. three center backs, they went all year with four, and it arguably cost him an opportunity to play for and potentially win MLS Cup by not having a backup center, a, uh, an extra center back on the roster. So I'd say Albright's shopping list is really six players who are starting caliber players in MLS. Jeez. And you do not have the ability to pay a transfer fee for any one of those players as the roster rules are currently yes. constituted. Yes. Um, now, your mileage may vary. 
as to whether or not you think that um that Mar- that um that Marco Angulo is ready to take a, a starting spot and take that uh take that Junior Moreno spot. I'm not there. Just not there based on what I saw from him last year. I'm not saying he can't be that guy going forward, but as of right now, the tape that's out there, I do not believe Marco Angulo is a starting player in MLS right now. Same thing with Brett Halsey. You, your mileage may vary on player evaluation. I do not believe Brett Halsey is a starting caliber player as of right now in MLS. So if one of those two is going to be a a starter for you, that reduces the shopping list down. But even if you're assuming that those two players are going to be penciled into the starting lineup for next year, that's still four starters yeah. that Albright needs to go find for 2024. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's a tall, tall order for for 2024 for what's going to be an incredibly congested fixture schedule at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. We talked a little bit, the two of us and, and Grayson and a couple other people about this idea. He might not get all of his shopping done in the winter and we may need to wait till the summer window to fill some spots. Yeah, that's going to be rough. <laughs> or could I be mean, rough. it could it could lead to a rough early part of the season. Now, it would certainly help in a sort of building towards the playoff type thing. You have an injection of talent when the team truly needs it. And assuming they haven't floundered, you know, horrifically in the first part of the season, which I don't think they would, um, even as the rush is constructed now. Um, yeah, it's, it's still, you got to have that big push. So now because, because I've been accused of being relentlessly negative, I will mm. offer this as a counterpoint to myself though. And okay, that's the, please. Okay, this is this, is that, Let's. I want to take you back in the Wayback Machine to the Cincy Postcast in December of 2022. Um, finishing up the last year, looking forward to 2023. At that time, had you ever heard of a player by the name of Yerson Mascara? No, I had not. Um, at that time, were you aware of the possibility of signing a player by the name of Santiago Arias? No. Did not know. He was unknown trialist in Florida, if right. I remember correctly. <laughs> so that is to say, I think that it is an incredible handicap that Albright has to try to build and fill these roster spots. Um, given the limitations of MLS salary rules, he's been somewhat adept. I would even dare argue he's been better at acquiring <laughs> players where he doesn't have to pay a transfer fee. Because the players that he didn't pay a transfer fee for would include players such as Matt Miazga, no transfer mm-hmm. fee to Chelsea. Santiago Arias, no transfer fee. Yerson Mascara, a loan, no transfer fee. Um, players he paid a transfer fee, uh, Sergio Santos, that he paid mm-hmm. a, well, I mean, that was a, they would have paid Yam, right, for that? Yeah, but it's as close as you can get to an right. MLS transfer fee, probably about a million dollar transfer fee. Million dollar transfer fee. Uh, Junior Moreno, we had to pay for him. I thought Junior was good. But, you yep. know, Junior was not a superstar. Half million dollar transfer yeah, fee? Half, yeah. I think we can round to that. And Aaron Bupenza, where eh, jury's still out, maybe, on Aaron Bupenza. He does very well, is all I'm saying. This isn't a slight to the players yes. that he's brought in. And Woboto, Woboto's superstar. Not a yeah. slight to any of those players. But if you look at the hit-miss ratio, the hits on the players he's brought in on a free or with nothing required, he's been pretty damn good at. 
Yeah, the Miazga one in particular stands out because, uh, if memory serves me correctly here, uh, he had a year left on his Chelsea deal and basically convinced Chelsea to just scrap his uh, his contract, a, a mutual termination or something along those lines, or a free transfer. So he he got he, a free deal when he didn't have to get. <laughs> he, he barged into the Chelsea board meeting <laughs> and demanded to speak to someone who would get rid of his contract <laughs> while holding a pizza. Uh, everybody described it as very aggressive and yes. menacing. They, uh, <laughs> they, they were in fear for their lives. <laughs> so Chief, I, I put this to you. Let's uh, let's assume here in CCC, we are facing uh, choose your favorite, let's say, middling Liga MX club. I don't have the list in front of me, so you just have to imagine. Let's say it is our, our dear friends, Cruz Azul, Ooh. La Machina. This is the lineup that FC will, Cincinnati rolls will out. Will Las Celestes be present for this match? <laughs> they are. It's a road game. This is going to okay. be a tough All one. Right. We're, go- we're going, right? Away days? Ma- uh, away days, Cruz Azul? If it's Cruz Azul, we have no choice. We have no choice, yeah. <laughs> um, this is the lineup that goes out. Now, this lineup is predicated that every player that had their option declined is gone forever. Cool. And that... Cool. Uh, Vasquez and Barriel are gone. Okay. Okay. So this is your starting lineup against against Cruz Azul. Roman Celentano in goal. Love Brett it. Halsey on the left. Ooh. Murphy, Miazga, Hagland are your center backs with Alvis mm. Powell outright. Ooh. You've got Wobodo, Angulo, Ooh. and Lucho Acosta is your starting midfield trio with Aaron Bupenza starting alongside Sergio Santos. We getting a dub? We getting a result? We we walking home with an L. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Albright Albright has some work to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's fair. A little bit of work to do. Uh, Now. All of those guys could come back, and we've got Arius back, and we've got Baji back, and we've got Kubo back, and and suddenly this doesn't look so desperate. But right, yeah, things things could certainly. Uh, now you, you, you talk to me about that Kai Wagner, you your Kubo wingback pairing. <laughs> you know, it's moving a little bit for that. <laughs> I I would love to see a you your Kubo wingback experiment just once. Just want to see uh, what it looks like. Yeah, it might be terrible, but I kind of want to see it. You know, it would have been great if uh, if we had like preseason games that were uh, broadcast. That would be great. Might be able to see it. Right. <laughs> or maybe that's the reason why they don't broadcast those games, because they'll try it. It's like this was a disaster. Um, we will. I will harp on this as we get closer to preseason. I just assume nobody broadcasts the preseason games because they're all committing flagrant immigration <laughs> rule breaking and and violations. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, yeah, unnamed trialist is in this country for way too long on whatever visa he's had. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's getting paid under the table on his tourist visa. It's just yeah. breaking all the laws. Sure is. <laughs> Dude, don't, don't be a snitch. Fil- yeah. This filming is snitching. It's just a different form of snitching. <laughs> yeah, who would who would have a player in here on a uh, tourist visa? Um, Couldn't be us. Is there anybody else that... Uh, is there anything else that we want to talk about? I, I mean, say anybody, but I think we covered it here. I guess we we should dedicate at least some time on this podcast to Harrison Robledo. We hardly knew you. 
<laughs> Quite, Quite literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he seemed fine, yeah, but nice it guy. does. Uh, this is sort of like the dark cloud hiding over the uh, the 2023 season, aside from, you know, the really obvious yellow and black one, um, is that the FCC2 team still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's no clear and obvious, like, savior coming up from the youth ranks or, like, an exciting youth prospect. Ordonia's got run up with the, uh, run out with the uh, Guatemalan U23 national team and the U23 World Cup and then was hurt for stretches of the season. So I'm willing to give something of a pass there, but, like, our two team is terrible. So it's hard to get hyped about what could be coming. And that, that puts that much more pressure on Albright to be hitting on these. Right acquisitions and Robledo is essentially I, I mentioned that because Robledo is essentially that he was an FCC tour he got a couple of minutes here and there I honestly cannot remember when he played and he's got a great a, name though Robledo just sounds hard <laughs> Domo Arigato Mr. Robledo <laughs> no that's a good one yeah um so yeah I Chris Berman approves um <laughs> yeah the two team is a is a disaster and a dumpster fire maybe we in what little off season we have, we do one episode that's dedicated to the two team and better know a two team and figure out why everything is so bad there. There's got to be someone that knows why or what's going on there. I got I a name with, in mind. <laughs> I say what little time we have in the off season because, in addition to all of his other comments at the MLS uh, State <laughs> of the League address, uh, we found out from Dandy Don, uh, no fourth DP, but forthcoming. On December 20th, the MLS schedule drops. So that's right, folks. When you listen to this, nine days, nine days away from the MLS schedule dropping for 2024. And we already knew this, that this week, I believe on Wednesday, maybe, or Thursday. Yeah. Um, 13th or 14th. I yeah. can feel confident in saying one of those two One numbers. of those days. Maybe the 15th, actually, now that I think about it. Who knows? Who knows? Someday in the very near future, within the span of a week, <laughs> we, we're all professionals here, folks. Um, the CONCACAF, don't call it a Champions League, Champions Cup uh, will be doing its draw as well. And FC Cincinnati will find out where, um, if we are in fact playing Cruz Azul, um, or where else we are going for the uh, CONCACAF Champions League. And those games will start possibly as early as February 2nd, which means that as we sit here, we could be less than two months away from the season resuming itself. Good God. Right. Um, <laughs> I did look it up. December 13th, Wednesday. So, all right. Get hype. Get, get hype. hype. Um, and there you go. Well, it's, uh, it's a Champions Cup because it's all in a knockout format. That's, that's the we big do We do great in those tournaments, so. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Hopefully we play like, I don't know, some Haitian team that has immigration struggles and right. they have to field a local high school team. And we, Kevin, we as, we, as we sit here recording, are you committing to going to the road leg of wherever we are playing in the Champions Cup? Uh, yes, as I'm sitting here now. Now, Good. when my wife hears about this, I'll uh, be sitting yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Out in the car. 
Um, <laughs> uh, also, second question to you, um, since this is segment one is the de facto soccer segment. Yes. Um, on a scale of one to fully aroused, where were you when Don Garber expressed his um, interest in possibly using an Apertura Closura format for MLS schedule? All the way there, baby. That oh. speaks to me. <laughs> speaks to me, Don. <laughs> I've been I've been begging for this for years, buddy. <laughs> I feel like they, I feel like we do this every couple of years, where it's like yeah. that that Don Garber and the MLS board will throw a bone to the hardos out there that hate the schedule <laughs> and hate that there's no pro rel, and we'll get some comment like, you know, we could definitely see a future in the next like you know. 70 years where we move to a pro well format or yeah. yeah we agree that the schedule is making it very difficult like we could definitely try something that's more aligned with the european calendar it just <laughs> never happens it's just they say that just to keep people to sh- get people to shut the fuck up for a few years i mean i look at it this way we already played a couple of matches in december and we're gonna play matches in february so really the only month you're not playing soccer games is in january and everybody wants MLS to take a month off in June for international tournaments like the Gold Cup, the Euros, the World Cup already. You're all, just take a month off in the summer and the month off in the winter and you've done it. It's just deciding on when you've said the season starts and the season ends. Right now we do the full calendar year. Uh, you just move that a little bit and it's the exact same thing only now we say beginning of the season is in the fall and the end of the season's in the spring versus now we're at the beginning of the season's in the spring and it's in the fall or actually more accurately the beginning of the season is the winter and the end of the season is the winter so (laughs) if you do this though on a scale of like again not one to arouse one to violently angry how violently Mm. angry would you be as people that hold uh, or held the expansion rights for places like Minnesota, <laughs> Toronto, and all these places that built stadiums that are soccer-specific stadiums, thinking most of our games will be in the summertime when it's nice and we need to have airy, breezy, outdoor facilities with no <laughs> roof. And our number one concern is making sure people stay cool, as opposed to it gets really cold in these places in months like November, December, and February. So I I think that's completely valid, but I think people also overlook the fact that like we play in the middle of July and August in Orlando, in Miami, in Houston, in Dallas, and none of those are indoor stadiums or even like I don't even think Dallas has a roof over like it's some of its sections. So I think there's like real benefit in probably not eliminating because I do think that gets to be a little unbalanced, but minimizing games in the summer in the hot parts of the country and minimizing games in the winter in the cold parts of the country. I think it works. I think that there's enough expansion teams now where you can, you can sort of gently move the center of play as it were uh, North and South as the season sort of ebbs and flows with the season. I hate that. Then it's like you're giving like it's giving unfair advantages where, oh, we're not scheduling home games in Minnesota for this team's forced to go on the road for four straight matches because our stupid schedule means it's too cold to play there. Like that's yeah, that's not fair. That's not. No, it's not. And especially given how the schedule breaks, right? Like you don't want to be 
giving like seven home games in a row to the winter teams or the, or, you know, the Northern teams or the Southern teams. Um, and just giving them this huge advantage in the run up to the playoffs. Right. And then once you're in the playoffs, again, assuming we're still doing playoffs and then two, like you have no way of deciding where they're going to be played unless they're going to do all neutral site MLS cup or something, which is something that Don Garber also mentioned, which is like, we could do that and just play all the winter games at a single location. Like sure, man, just fuck it all up. Why not? (laughs) I saw somebody online was suggesting that you go to the Apertura closer format, but then you play the leagues cup at neutral sites down South, closer to Mexico. Which that's exactly what they need to be doing. No, yes. fuck that. I don't want to have like FC Cincinnati games I can't go to. That's dumb. <laughs> that's dumb. But, I mean, it would solidify one, the League's Cup as an exhibition tournament. Um, but yeah, you do that like after because uh Mexico's taking their break in the winter anyway. So you have like this fun little little preseason tournament in Vegas and Mexico city or whatever. And call it a day. It's not fair. It's far away from where I live. (laughs) My team plays in my city. That's like, that's, that's understood. That's what separates us from these stupid sports leagues, like the premier lacrosse league or the USFL. where like, all the games are in Huntsville, Alabama, despite the fact that it's Pittsburgh versus Orlando. No, (laughs) that's dumb. That's minor league. I forgot they did that. It's so stupid. (laughs) It's so stupid. Yeah. Now that you hear it out loud, it's stupid. Now, look, if they're playing regular season games like that, absolutely. I kind of get a tournament like that. Like MLS is back tournament style thing was fine. I don't know. It's only fine because we were like all afraid sports were never coming back and we would have taken anything at that point. NFCC did okay, all things yeah. considered. So, <laughs> oh, Many people God. asking, is Yapstam the perfect manager for a tournament staged at Walt Disney World in front of fake fans? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if League's Cup comes back as only being played in Orlando, I give him a call. <laughs> he did all right. <laughs> Tag in stunt manager. Oh, man. Uh, well... Chief, I think I think we've thoroughly uh, rung this this rag here. Is there anything else that we have on FC Cincinnati? No, or MLS? No, I yeah. think we're good. We're good. Um. Well, then let's move on over to part two because it's off season, baby. In the eleven, out of the eighteen, <laughs> it's back, and then we'll we'll let people get on with their with their lives. So join us over there. This episode is also brought to you by Sensi Shirts. Look, you know Sensi Shirts, you love Sensi Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning, and we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code, the post Cincy, for 10% off your next order. 
and a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. All right, we are back. And Chief, it's been a while since we've done an In the 11 Out of the 18. There's the possibility that we have, dare, dare I say, a 13th listener who is not aware of what what the hell I am talking about. Would you, as the creator of Indy 11 Ottawa 18, yeah. uh, like, like to explain what is happening? Yeah. Um, this is to fill time during the off season because God forbid we ever record a podcast less than two hours. Especially now that we're only doing one a week. You've got to, it's like we, you can either consume this podcast like a dog and eat all the food all at once, or you can consume this podcast like a cat and just nibble at it over the course of the week. Yeah, It's your yeah. choice. Either way, we're here to provide content for you, all 12, possibly 13 of you. In the 11 out of the 18 is Grayson, Kevin, and I take a look at what's going on around the world, soccer or non-soccer. And something is either in our 11, we're putting it on the field to start, or it's out of the 18. We're not even dressing it for this game. We're not even dressing it for this week. So <laughs> um, if you need more of an explanation than that, I, I, I can't help you. So, Kevin, do you want to do the honors first this week? Uh, you know, I do. I will go first here. Um, in my 11, I... <laughs> I've been obsessed with this since I discovered it this week. It has been my new favorite thing. Uh, it is a YouTube channel called Almost Friday TV. And tell me more. Uh, the The pitch is pretty simple. This is a uh, a group of a group of guys that are doing sketch comedy, which is great. That's fun. Everybody everybody loves a good sketch comedy group. Um, the quality of their videos is like in. A24 film like this is like so well done the uh, the cinematography the color balancing it is it is something a sight to truly behold and the concepts of their sketches are so unbelievably funny as so many good throwaway lines that like I say get in now because these guys are going to become famous. I don't know how they have 60,000 subscribers, and these guys should have 10 million subscribers. It is unbelievable that they are as unknown as they are. Is is one of the most talented groups of people I've seen out there. How long have they been going for? Uh, as far as I can tell, everything's only been up there for like a year or two. Now, I will say, they're a group of white guys. They have a podcast. I haven't listened to a second of it, so I'm sure they've got <laughs> plenty guys, of, of course they have a podcast. I'm sure they have do. plenty of cancelable material on there, so I, I cannot vouch for the contents of the uh, of the podcast. But the uh, oh, I take that back. Three hundred thousand subscribers. I was oh, looking yeah. at the wrong a channel better. there. A uh, little better, but I'm telling you, these guys are are blowing the. Uh, uh, I don't know the the please don't destroy guys the lonely island back in the day like this is this is better than anything I've seen uh, come out of a group like this. Um, if if there's nothing else that you watch, there's a really good one. He scrolled too deep. Uh, the premise is I'll, I'll set it up. A uh, guy's looking at a a crush of his Instagram photos. He's scrolling too far back in the reel. She's. He accidentally ends up at high school photos, and he's terrified of scrolling any further for the fear of accidentally liking one of the photos <laughs> and sending an incredibly creepy notification. <laughs> so they they got to bring in a um, like a bomb squad style. Uh, uh, I, I can never remember the uh, the name of the movie, the uh, Kathleen Bigelow uh, movie. Oh, Hurt Locker. He, 
Hurt Locker. Yes, guy comes out in full bomb suit and it's his job to, to scroll back to the top without liking anything. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. So God, I'll, so I'll give funny. you that one for free. Okay. And you got to go watch these, but they're all filmed like Hollywood films. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of wild. Um, I was listening to an interview with uh, the Jimmy Tatro did a mm. while back where talking about how back in the day it used to be that if you wanted to have a career in comedy and you weren't a stand up guy, like the goal yeah. was to always to, to get on to Saturday Night Live, somehow get on right. the radar and get on to Saturday Night Live. And now if you look, most of the people that are that are out there that are getting famous that are doing stuff it's stuff like this they're doing stuff on youtube and it starts out with people doing screwing around with their friends mm -hmm. posting content that was how the show workaholics got started they were just a yeah. bunch of guys dicking around on youtube posting content and uh i marvel at their creativity because as you can tell from the away <laughs> days episode we posted i don't possess that level of creativity when it comes to video creation Oh, man. Yeah. Almost Friday TV. I, right. I, I highly recommend them. I've yet to see a, a dud of theirs uh, come across my feed. So, On a similar vein, if you're looking for comedy, are you familiar with Foil, Arms, and Hog? <sighs> it sounds familiar, but it's not, it, I'm not there. They're, so. a, they're an Irish comedy troupe, and mm. they're very, very funny. A little um, – skewing a little towards the pg-13 pg side of things where it's like you can watch it you're not gonna get in trouble for watching it with anybody yeah but um their big bits that went viral were um doing videos of what it's like to emigrate into various countries like your quiz in order to be granted citizenship of places and yeah. they're, they're very very funny <laughs> um, i'll have to check them out yeah no they're phenomenal we saw them, my wife and i saw them live in in indy and they were they were very very good um, in my 11 this week yeah. is Florida. So, oh, okay. So this week we had the, or recently we had the big reveal of Grand Theft Auto 6, uh, which is basically going to just be Florida the video game, as best I can tell. <laughs> and so it's going to be set in Vice City, which if you're a gamer, you know, Vice City was the first of the GTAs, I think that were like really good as opposed to just interesting sandbox concepts but um you wonder like what they're going to do with this series and then of course the realization comes where is all the content in society it's florida man memes and there's yes. just there is an endless supply of content from the state of florida constantly on dumb incredibly stupid shit that you can mine to make an absurd video game and i'm just so here for it they posted the trailer for this game and almost shot for shot in the trailer was things <laughs> that are real that have gone yes. viral over the last couple of years like some woman yes. twerking on a moving car like another person <laughs> wrestling an alligator like anything that you can insert florida man headlines to it sounds like it's going to be a part of this game and i'm i'm so beyond here for this like florida almost is an open world video game if you think about it there's there's Absolutely. a lot of you've got a lot of different areas of the open world game you've got miami with all like the foreigners and you know the silicon and the glitz and the neon and whatever then you go over to orlando and it's theme park and chain restaurant hell and then you go to tampa and it's a bunch of retirees and just you know pirate weirdos florida and the everglades and people dying from gator bites in the middle it is a phenomenal setting for a video game i would buy florida the game you add the grand theft auto to it and this is the most instant download you're ever going to get out of me it 
did look incredible. And it's funny that like, yeah, if you're not a, a, a gamer, a video gamer, um, it's hard to find a comparable like piece of media that like, I don't know, I guess it, the equivalent would be like seeing that first trailer for the sequel Star Wars, like when you knew Star Wars was coming back, like that, that might be as close as you get. You're like, holy shit! Like, yeah, this, oh, this is, is real. Star this Wars is, real. is coming is back. Is yeah, yeah. It's like the the Grand Theft Auto series ever since three uh, has sort of defined the open world uh, for video games and has really pushed the technological envelope in a, in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, they've waited a, a long ass time between games on this one. So a lot of people hype for six and yeah, it's still not going to come out for another year and a half too, which is absurd. Well, they had the announcement that they were going to announce the trailer a week or two from the time of that announcement. They ended up releasing the trailer a day early because somebody else leaked it with a big ass watermark of whatever their channel was or whatever. So they released it a day early, millions and millions of views just to see the trailer, right? For a game that's not coming out until what probably summer of 2025. So just insane hype around this thing. Yeah, no. And like just the number, like the possibilities you have now, like I'm going to be mad if they don't have a really weird governor that's obsessed with looking taller and like wearing stilts hidden in his legs. I'm going to be mad if there isn't a theme park centered around like a hamster that doesn't wear pants or something like that. (laughs) I'm going to be mad if that's not there. Um. (laughs) Yeah, it really did appear that like, yeah, like the game, they're revisiting a location that they visited back back a while ago uh, in the sort of fictionalized Miami in this universe. But yeah, there's like screenshots of what it amounts to like the Florida Keys and the Everglades and stuff like that. So yeah, like they're clearly playing around with a bunch of different environments in Florida. So it's it's funny too. I feel bad for if you're like a younger listener or one of the younger of the 12 listeners of the postcast, it is really, really hard to describe how revolutionary Grand Theft Auto 3 was at the time. Yes. And when they released Vice City, which was the sequel, the revelation it was that when you hopped into your car for the first time, it was set in the 80s, like Miami Vice era, uh, Miami. And like the, the all the music was real. That it wasn't yeah. like cheesy made for video game music. Because Grand Theft Auto 3, I think they had the Scarface soundtrack on it, but everything else was like fake music and it was fun. It was funny. But you hop into like a convertible and like Billy Jean starts playing as you're yeah. cruising through Miami at night. And I was like, this is I am now <laughs> living in the future. This is what I was promised when I was a kid playing Super Nintendo. Yes. Yes. It it really was like the holy shit. Like I have the freedom to do anything moment in video games that you weren't you weren't stuck on a uh, a roller coaster ride for the video game going from point A to point B. You you truly had the ability to make your own thing. That was cool. So yeah, no, yeah. but it always have a special place. Uh, you know, the people may may quibble about what the actual series is about, but I uh, it's no, it's it's fun as hell. It's um no, this is good. No, that's a good one. That's a good one in the eleven there. Yeah. So what is out of your eighteen? Oh, out of my eighteen, I almost feel bad sharing this. So I'm gonna try to do my best to uh, to hide some key details. So. Out of my 18 is 
this young lady's day I witnessed today. I think I got to witness what will probably be this person's uh, most embarrassing moment of their entire life in front of oh dear. hundreds, <laughs> thousands of people. This is rough. So I'm at a, uh, I'm at a, a high school musical. Not the high school musical, but a high school musical. Creepy, um, but you know, cool. I was I was there to support a family member, to okay. be clear. Right, just not a thing okay. I do. <laughs> just like looking for something to do on a Saturday afternoon and not watching the Bengals game. Kevin Wallace, <laughs> high school theater critic. <laughs> Look, the, the second act, it dragged a little Drag. bit. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. Happens. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, everybody's doing great. In fact, uh, like, Technical execution of this thing, incredible. The everything's going smooth, everything's going great. Our female lead uh, shows up for like our, our critical uh, end of the musical scene. Everything's been building up to this point, and she's running around the stage doing doing her best to act and sing uh, while holding something to her face, and I can't figure out what's going on. And then I realize that she has a nosebleed, a terrible nosebleed. She is bleeding out of her nose. Oh, so no. she's trying to do everything while holding this tissue over her face. And you can kind of see the blood like dripping over the dress and everything. Um which would have been embarrassing enough. Uh, but then uh, she ends up in a moment in in the play where like she's on the ground off to the side, the lights go dark. Um, and I see somebody slip her something that she then immediately jams up into her nose. Great. Like they got her a new tissue. She smashed it up into her nose. She's going to go on with a nose plug there. It's going great. Uh, she gets back up. She's singing. Things are going good. The, 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 you know, the climax of the story is going here. And then the fucking string falls out of the item that is stuffed up her nose. She's got a straight up tampon shoved into oh. her face. And she now has to finish this entire play with a tampon, a bloody tampon hanging out of her oh. face. And, um, yeah, she's beat red the entire time. It was a freaking trooper you know about you know what? it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That is, just... <laughs> that is a level of the show must go on yes. that I just don't possess. <laughs> that is a level of bravery. I'd have done. I'd have been out. I would yeah. have. I would have been. You know what? It was a good run. They won't know that the song didn't finish. We can just like <laughs> right. throw the lights down and hit the crescendo. I applaud whoever that is. For going yeah. there and finishing the drill. I, I just yeah. play to the whistle. There's no crying in baseball. Any cliche you want to insert in there. <sighs> bravo to this to this young woman because yes. that's badass. Play and hurt. Play and hurt. You don't have to be a varsity athlete to play hurt. I love it. Yeah. F- no, fantastic. It was, I mean. I've, just the whole time I was like, God damn, this has to suck so much for her. Like, oh my God. But I she will couldn't have, imagine it. She will yeah. have the best, best fucking story in college <laughs> on the drama club or play doing the doing the, like why right. when you audition for the college play or whatever, whatever the production is, uh, tell me why we should give you this role. Well, right. one time I developed a nosebleed on stage because someone smacked me in the face backstage with a prop and I still finished the damn song. How about that? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was very <laughs> admirable, but man, I was just like, 
At some point, I was just like, just rip it out. Just rip it out just and bleed. Go, like, go. it's fine. Just like get blood everywhere. Right. It's way better. Like than finishing, just the, dealing. <laughs> finishing the song looking like Becky Lynch or some shit like right. that from the WWE right. after she got her face broken. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just like, and that was the thing, too. It was like, it was still bleeding. Like, whatever happened to her. Yeah. And it probably was like hit by a prop backstage, trip and fell. I don't know. But like, it was a nasty nosebleed. It was not letting up. <laughs> Question if, that ha- if she was a New York Red Bulls player. How much would she have flopped around from the contact after being hit? <laughs> I'd still be, I think I'd still be in the theater waiting right. for the restart. <laughs> <laughs> this play has an additional 15 minutes of stoppage time remaining. <laughs> we're we're going to dip into the sequel now. We've, we've, right. we've got to keep going. <laughs> well, whoever you are, bravo. That is yes. you, yes. you kick ass for finishing up on that. That's bad. Yeah, so to be clear, Adam A18 was her experience. She did yeah. great. I have nothing bad to say about her just that had to suck hell yeah <laughs> good so shit. how about your surf oh out of the 18 for me is duke energy um <laughs> no <laughs> so uh, your boy's been having a weekend so tell the story as best i can um <laughs> this is the relatable portion of the postcast where we're not like actually talking about real things we're just talking about our personal lives yes. <laughs> like shit we saw that no one has any relation to so back over the summer we got this notice on our front door that duke energy was requiring us to switch to some smart meter to read our to do our meter because i've mm. got this i live in this old ass house and the meter is actually inside the house you can't read it from the side so they want to install this thing that will automatically transmit to Duke how much power we use, I guess. I don't know. It sounds like a scam, whatever. Yeah. So I call the number and I schedule an appointment to have this thing installed. Wouldn't you know it? Because it's a it's the power company and they suck. They gave us a four hour window on some random Saturday that we had to sit around and wait for. Right. And then they call and say, we're not going to be able to make it. And I'm like, OK, asshole. Well. You're going to have Thanks. to work around my schedule the next time. So yeah. we schedule it again later on, like in the summer, like early fall. And they cancel again. Same exact thing. And kind of mad about this now. Mm-hmm. They We keep getting notices like you have to do this. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, I'm trying to. Like, you're, yeah. I'm making an effort. <laughs> so the latest one we got said, we're going to add like a surcharge to your bill if you don't do it. So I finally called again. Oof. And I was like, will you send someone to just do this to stop harassing me? So we finally had our appointment to have the electric meter. This is an important part of the story. The electric meter um, updated in our house. Okay. So I had stuff to do this weekend because I'm a, I'm a busy individual. False. Uh, getting ready for the Crosstown <laughs> shootout. So uh, Mrs. Chief was at home waiting for this individual to show up and fix the thing. Get a knock at the door identified as a person from duke energy she lets him into the house everything's downstairs she's working on something upstairs this guy comes back up a couple minutes later and she asks him oh did you fix the meter already oh no i i don't fix electric meters i'm a gas inspector oh um and she's like well that we're <laughs> here to have an electric meter fix why why are you here oh i we're doing a gas inspection uh, they said, I thought this was for a gas inspection. No, we don't need a gas inspection. Oh, well, I inspected it, and you have a small gas leak in your basement. And she oh. freaks out at this point. It's like, oh, my yeah. God, do I need to get out of the house? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not dangerous at all. It's fine. It's, there's no risk at all whatsoever. She's like, oh, thank God. And he follows up by saying, but um, it is our policy that we do have to shut your gas off 
if we detect any leak whatsoever. So you're going to have to call someone and get that fixed. And when you do, you can call us and we'll come back and turn your gas back on. Oh. Well, let me tell you how hard it is to find a plumber on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. So, oh. um, yeah, I'm, as we sit here recording, wearing three layers. The, uh, the, the heat has been turned off at the household for oh. uh, about going on 24, 36 hours right now with, you know, no real plan as to when that's going to get fixed until I can start calling people tomorrow and hope somebody is available to come. Jesus. fix my pipes i don't know where the problem is <laughs> and it, it leads me to this conclusion why are you doing gas inspections in december can't right. you do the hey i didn't ask for a gas inspection you sent the wrong guy as soon as you it became clear you're the wrong guy here just turn around and go man like you right. don't need to do the gas inspection so not only is my meter not fixed yeah, the, the, the motherfucker turned my gas off, and now I'm cold as I sit here. That was going to be my question: was was the electric meter ever uh, ever no, fixed or upgraded? No, I haven't, we, have another, we have another appointment for that. I'm sure that guy's going to tell us that you know your your wiring is out of code or something like that, and yeah, they're going to shut yeah. our power off, and I'm going to be living in my car. Like that's how this story is going to end. I'm convinced. Oh. That is awful. Yeah, I I agree. It should not be legal for them to just shut your heat off in the middle of the winter. Like landlords can't do that. Right. Surely the Duke Duke Energy can't do that. No, and like, it was like it, it was like, well, what do we do to fix this? Call a plumber. Well, what if they can't get here? Well, it's not my problem. It's like that that feels wrong. That feels it, a little wrong. It's a little your problem. You've yeah. created this problem. Everything was fine. And you told you told me it's not it's not dangerous. Like, what the right. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what? If it's imminent fire, you know, uh, hazard or whatever. Sure. Right. Thank you for saving my life. But yeah, you not, neither not saved, some, you, you, you didn't save my life. You didn't improve my situation. And you offered no help on your way out the door. Like, <laughs> sorry, gas is off now. It's like, OK, I guess I'll just freeze. What the what the fuck? Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. It's a shame they couldn't like shut your internet off during the uh MLS Cup is yeah. kind of where I'm thinking that that would have that would have been a, a public service. I, I think, bet this guy city. was a crew fan. I bet every dollar in my wallet this guy's <laughs> he was wearing a hard oh hat God. and everything. I mean, that's exhibit A right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> who who else would be wearing a hard hat on right? a Saturday? Yeah, it's a, the, the conspiracy goes all the way to the top. Man, this is Doctor yeah. Pete Edwards getting his revenge. <laughs> if it was a crew fan, my God, that is some Job incredible, well incredible banter. Well <laughs> yeah. oh, how, how do you really get the rivalry to go to the next level? Is you <laughs> sign up to work for Duke and just start cutting people's power off in Columbus when you see a crew flag. We're going to conduct a random inspection of your gas line. Oh, my bad. <laughs> True Crew 1990 starts a uh, a plumbing company in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> or a tow truck company. We're just towing cars. You got towing the crew. <laughs> you're just looking for the crew license plate, which I mean, there's none of. Nobody has the crew license plate ever. But like, right, you're right. just going around predatory towing cars to get revenge. <laughs> and towing them to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, our lot's in Cincinnati. I don't know what to tell you. Just conveniently right next to TQL Stadium. There's an impound lot. <laughs> Jeff B's impound lot. Just collecting, yeah, crew bumper stickers as like trophies. Every, every car has like the crew flag on the back. 
<laughs> it's funny because uh, we can't win and we have to be petty. Nah, you know, you you take your wins where you can, it's I think. Dubs or dubs, I guess, right? <laughs> oh God. I will say, Chief, uh, not not to force an end to the podcast. I have been looking forward to the uh to the next fuck Columbus. I, I will say it has been and something I've been looking forward to. So <sighs> Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.